0: From Studio B on the Istrian Sea in beautiful, sunny Croatia, this is finally episode 37 of Linux for Everyone. Welcome home. We have some catching up to do. Welcome back, everybody. This is Linux for Everyone. My name is Jason Evangelo, and uh, man, 2020. <laughs> I have been through it in the last uh, five or six weeks, and I wanted to just have a, a quick dialogue about uh, where I've been and what I experienced, not just to catch you up in a little more detail, but also I think to raise a little bit of awareness about uh, a disease that, that I don't think many people are paying attention to since there's something much more sinister that uh, that threatens us every day. Now, if you want to skip this whole section, that's totally okay. No hard feelings. Uh, that's why I have chapter markers in the podcast, and if you have a podcast player that supports chapter markers, then go ahead and just skip ahead. First, though, uh, I wanted to explain to you, if you hear a bit of a difference in the audio quality or just the the, the kind of the ambience of the uh, the room here... I'm not at home. I'm not in the usual office studio. I'm actually in Premontura, Croatia. It's the same village that I shot the uh, Tuxedo Infinity Book S14 versus uh, System76 Lemur Pro YouTube video. And it's right on the sea, on the Istrian Sea. I'm here because my wife and I both thought it would be good and and healing to to spend like four or five weeks here on the sea, breathe in that sea air, good for the lungs. So I'm just going to sip some coffee here and tell you the story uh, of what happened. So our family decided to take a short uh, vacation near Split, and we rented a uh, an Airbnb that was just Gorgeous um, on a on a hillside, uh, kind of up in the mountains, overlooking the sea, and um, this place was just designed to relax in every inch of the home. You know, there was a jacuzzi, there was a um, a nice swimming pool, great lounge chairs everywhere, an, an outdoor kitchen with a with a fireplace and a barbecue. So many, so many, just luxurious things to to relax with. And so we spent about a week there. And remember that uh, this was a time in Croatia, like many other countries, where um, tourism was kind of at a standstill. You know, borders were closing, or at least were uh, very cautious about who they were letting in because of COVID-19. And we rented this Airbnb. It was on a pretty heavy discount. And I suspected that maybe it had not been rented out in a while, which makes perfect sense. We stayed there for about a week. Had a really beautiful time and about a day, day and a half, two days after we got back home to Zagreb, um, I started feeling not so great, got a, uh, a low fever and started feeling some um, muscle aches in my body and was generally a little, a little more tired than I should have been. So I kind of shrugged it off the first day. The second day, the fever got fairly high the, the tiredness, uh, increased. I felt these just my whole entire body ached flu in the middle of June. Okay. I I could accept that maybe my, my body was a little worn down, um, you know, doing a lot of drinking and not sleeping a lot, having a lot of fun on vacation. Um, okay, let's roll with it. Let's just ride this out. Now, my wife who has a perfect memory will probably correct me on this because uh, it was a bit of a blur for me as the days wore on. But the fever started getting really high, almost dangerously high. And I had to take ibuprofen to keep it down. I was incredibly lethargic, exhausted, uh, still had the muscle aches. And then about day four or five, I started vomiting. And I thought, you know what? This is concerning. (laughs) But still, I thought, okay, I'm going to ride this out. This is a nasty flu. Now, I can't even remember uh, when, during this entire episode, that uh, my wife and I decided, let's go get a COVID-19 test. But we did that at some point, And like I said, it was such a blur. My brain was so hot. <laughs> so we, we drove to um, the hospital where they were doing COVID-19 tests and um, got it paid for, got it done. Received the results within about 24 hours. Um, Props to Croatia, who seems to do that really, really quickly. And, you know, I was on pins and needles the whole time, because who wants that, right? Uh, So the test came back negative. I was a little bit relieved, but also a little bit indignant. uh, A little bit in disbelief, because I was fairly certain that maybe the test was wrong. I've heard about some tests uh, coming back and being inaccurate, and people being retested, and uh, I, I just, you know, I looked at the symptoms that I was having, and they didn't all match up. But I thought this is this is dragging on for too long. I think it was maybe day six or so. I started having some trouble breathing, and that is when I was, <laughs> I felt confident. I was certain that that COVID nineteen test was wrong. That that result was absolutely dead wrong. So I thought there's something happening in my lungs. And uh with all the flu symptoms, I was getting really concerned, and my wife was getting even more concerned uh, because she said, "You know you might have pneumonia i i still i was stubborn, you know, I don't like hospitals so i thought okay i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna give this one or two more days i'm gonna just i'm gonna keep drinking tons of liquid I'm going to take care of myself i'm gonna do nothing but lay in bed." Of course, Lana made me some wonderful homemade chicken soup, and uh, that actually did. I-, I thought that it it kind of helped a little bit. Day I don't even know anymore. Day seven or something. Day seven, maybe day eight. The symptoms were getting worse. I wasn't vomiting anymore, but that fever just refused to go away, and I was very slowly uh, starting to to feel really worried about my lungs because i was I was getting out of breath really easily. So uh, we thought, okay, well, it's time to go back to the hospital, and this time to the emergency room. So of course, we did that. We uh, we waited out in the heat in the in the makeshift registration areas that were outside, um, and into finally this section of the hospital that had been converted to kind of a a COVID nineteen a coronavirus area, where you know everyone was in their full protective gear, all the precautions were being taken. And patients, uh, patients could not have their windows open or their doors open. And of course, it's, you know, it's 32, uh, I don't know, it's, it's hot. Okay, it's June, it's hot. And I've got a fever that's, that's, I feel like is just melting my brain. Anyway, I get admitted, they give me another COVID-19 test. And uh, the next morning, that comes back negative. It was before I got the second COVID-19 test and before I was actually admitted to a room. One of the doctors was, of course, asking a bunch of questions and trying to get a better understanding of my symptoms and, you know, specifically what the problem might be here. And and I suspected they didn't think it was COVID-19. And one of the first questions that she asked me was, were you near any uh, stagnant bodies of water? I was like, huh, well... I spent a lot of time in a uh, in a hot tub, and there was a pool there at the Airbnb, and the uh, the hot tub was in kind of an outdoor living room patio type of situation with an air conditioner, and uh, you know maybe <laughs> all this stuff. I, I didn't know why she was asking. I didn't know why she was asking this, and uh, I told her yes, and I you know told her where it was, and that we were vacationing there and gave her as much detail as I could. So she sends me in for uh, a chest x-ray. And that happens really quickly. I come back. Basically, they say, you have Legionella bacteria in your lungs. I was like, I've never heard of this. Um, And I looked it up, and it is called Legionnaire's disease. And it is fatal for 10% of people who contract the disease. And it is a, uh, it is a bacteria that forms in um, untreated HVAC systems, you know, so your air conditioners, um, and it also can form in stagnant bodies of water. It's Legionella bacteria. And this stuff rapidly starts taking over your lungs. And apparently, <laughs> that chest x-ray came back and they were like, oh my god, uh, you have this stuff all over your lungs. You're going to stay here for at least seven days and we are going to drip feed you antibiotics through an IV and we're going to take care of this thing and knock it out. I was scared to death. Uh, and and compounding all of this was the fact that, you know, because of the current coronavirus climate, nobody could visit. So I'm like, okay, I'm on my own here for at least a week in the hospital, uh, fighting this thing that that I'd never heard of, and that seems to kill a lot of people that it infects. It was just, it was really scary. What if we had waited another day or two? You know, this thing, (laughs) this thing could have just forced me to stop breathing you know completely consumed my lungs and you're done. The good news of course is that I'm here and uh the Croatian doctors and nurses and staff there took great care of me and they diagnosed this super super fast and they they got right on it and I was very very relieved um that they were able to pinpoint the exact problem so quickly. It's over but it's kind of not over. Um about 7 or 8 days of the antibiotics, and they said that I had made a great recovery. All the uh, bacteria was completely gone from my lungs. When originally they said you might have to be home on bed rest for uh, two weeks or so and take more antibiotics. What's really interesting is it seems, and and I've I've kind of backed this up with a little bit of research. Uh, it seems that when it's over, it's not really over. So yes, you you take the antibiotics and you recover and. You're not you're not exactly healthy right away though. Yeah, my lungs are fine, and uh, there would be no test that says anything's wrong with me now, except for the fact that I'm constantly exhausted. If if you notice it, maybe a different energy level. That's because this this right here this this podcast episode so far constitutes uh, the most talking that I have done. In the last several weeks. And that's because, you know, I can I can walk up a flight of stairs or, or talk for a few minutes or or just do some kind of activity, and I am just beat. I'm just exhausted. I'm out of breath. And it's getting better. Um, and that's why I decided to finally start jumping in and trying to get back to at least one uh, video per week on the Linux for Everyone uh, YouTube and, and library channels. And try to knock out a podcast episode finally because it's been a while but i really i honestly was not able to uh even speak enough to to sit on the mic and and do this until now so and 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 still this is going to require a few breaks anyway legionnaire's disease it's one that i feel like maybe is is flying under the radar and it shouldn't be because, you know, you inhale these, um, these particles, right? Let's say you're at an Airbnb and that hasn't been rented for months. And the, uh, maybe the, the spa filter hasn't been running and the water's been stagnant. Or, or the air conditioner hasn't been treated. It hasn't been running frequently. Um, and you breathe in a, a particle that has Legionella. And the good news is, it's not contagious, so you can't spread it to other people. Man, am I happy that the rest of my family didn't get this. But anyway, we're so we're we're in this situation now where a lot of buildings have been abandoned, right? People are working from home, or, or whatever the case is. There are going to be a lot of buildings around the world, I suspect, that are not going to have their HVAC uh, systems, their you know their their air conditioners, their heaters properly maintained. And once this, maybe, hopefully, once the world goes back to normal, everyone's going to flock back to these buildings. And I'm concerned uh, a little bit that Legion- Legionnaire's disease will, um, you know, that, that Legionella bacteria will be ready, <laughs> ready and waiting to strike. So um, just educate yourself on it, okay? Just Just educate yourself a little bit on it. And uh, thank you for listening to this story. You know, if you made it this far, I, I appreciate you. And I appreciate you guys waiting so patiently for me to get back in the swing of things. And uh, so far, this is feeling okay. I think I'm, I'm going to be able to, to jump back in and hopefully um, get back to regular weekly or at least bi-weekly podcast episodes and regular content. And um, I'm. I, man, I missed it. I missed you guys. I missed talking and geeking out about hardware and Linux and all that stuff. Well, I'm glad I was able to talk about this with you guys. Uh, Thanks for listening. Let's get on with the show. Mm -hmm. This episode, Linux for Everyone and the entire Destination Linux Network is proudly sponsored by DigitalOcean. DigitalOcean offers the simplest, most developer-friendly cloud platform. It's optimized to make managing and scaling apps easy with an intuitive API, multiple storage options, integrated firewalls, load balancers, and a lot more. Now, they recently announced uh, a few new features like virtual private cloud in all regions free of charge, and that lets you create multiple private networks to isolate your workloads. There's a uh, container registry that's now available to all users, and it's an early availability release, so it's kind of a beta. There's a bunch more. You can get all of the wonderful features that DigitalOcean offers and their world-class customer support For only $5 per month. So you can get started on DigitalOcean for free with a $100 credit by going to do.co slash DLN. You could use that $100 credit for spinning up over a dozen different droplets. Again, you can get started on DigitalOcean with that $100 credit by going to do.co slash DLN. And thank you once again to DigitalOcean for sponsoring our entire network. There always seems to be a metric ton of activity in Linux land, and uh, that's certainly the case during my absence. A whole lot happened, and I've started to try and play catch up, uh, at least writing some, some articles at Forbes. But there is one thing that happened fairly recently, and I think it's flown under the radar a little bit, and I wanted to bring, uh, kind of shine a spotlight on it. This story is about a Linux hardware company called Star Labs. Not to be confused with the Star Labs uh, that pretty much spawned metahumans in the Flash universe. And Star Labs, you might know them for the LabTop Mark III or the, uh, the StarLight laptop. They have been doing something that's kind of spectacular, and it's something that I feel every single Linux PC company should be doing. When you purchase a laptop from Star Labs, um, you can choose to have a bunch of Linux distributions. In fact, I counted nine different Linux distributions and almost double that if... Oops, ow. (laughs) I'm totally not used to this desk. So you can have nine Linux distributions pre-installed, or uh, you can actually double that if you count the various desktop flavors and versions And you can even have Windows 10 pre-installed if you want. If I'm not mistaken, Star Labs might offer the most comprehensive pre-installed OS list of any OEM. But the move that that really deserves a lot of recognition is they also conduct and publish very comprehensive compatibility reports for a large selection of Linux distributions beyond just the ones that it pre-installs on your laptop. So, like, what if you want to have a, a niche distro like Kali Linux, or you prefer the Arch-based Endeavor OS? Star has got you covered. Uh, maybe your work demands an enterprise solution like Red Hat Enterprise Linux. They've tested that, too. And I'm going to try, if I don't run out of breath, I'm going to read the complete list of operating systems the company generates these compatibility reports for, and then I want to tell you exactly what's on. These, uh, these really cool reports. So here we go. Deepin20, CentOS 8.2. Is it CentOS or CentOS? Endeavor OS, Ubuntu 20.04, Windows 10, Zorin OS 15.2, Elementary OS 5.1.5, OpenSUSE Leap 15.2, Fedora 32, Red Hat Enterprise Linux, Linux Mint 20, MX Linux 19.2, Manjaro 20, Parrot OS, Peppermint 10, Cubes OS, Solus 4.1, Budgie, and Tails. Star Labs is doing a lot more than just making sure the distribution installs on the hardware and and making sure that it runs. They are testing every facet of the hardware to ensure that it's playing nice with the Linux distribution or even the, the Windows OS. Just as an example, like if you look at a report for Deepin20, every single thing from uh, trackpad gestures to all of the function keys to data transfer is tested. And that that includes uh, webcam operation, Wi-Fi connectivity, Bluetooth functionality. And not just that it recognizes Bluetooth, right? But connecting keyboards, connecting mice, connecting audio peripherals, disconnecting them, etc. It tests, uh, God, they test USB-C output and input, suspend actions when closing the lid Power and charging LED status lights and that, and it just goes on from there. And I love this because it ensures that if their customers just want to nuke and pave their new laptop with something of their choice, things are just going to work. Like everything is just going to work. And they publish all these reports on their site. I'll have a link to it in the show notes, of course. Sean Rhodes of Star Labs tells me they've always done this since at least 2016 when Star Labs was founded in a pub, the best place to found any company. And uh, he says the number of compatibility reports continues to expand based on customer requests. If you're not familiar with Star Labs, definitely check them out. They do ship worldwide, and they offer completely free shipping to several countries, and they have a lot of different keyboard layouts as well. I first uh, brushed up against Star Labs last year. I think it was actually about... Maybe exactly a year ago now, I was testing the uh, their star laptop mark three with the overprovisioned drive and that thing was super super fast uh, but anyway, I found that this laptop was cheaper than similarly spec'd Dell XPS 13 and it outperformed it because it just had I don't know if it was better thermals or just a uh, a different kind of fan curve, but it did outperform it. In both um, CPU performance and drive speeds, so I walked away from that experience really impressed. And they are setting up to launch their uh, Star Laptop Mark IV this time around that has a lot of improvements. And um, you know what? I have been I have been laptop crazy lately. I have so many freaking laptops here, and I'm like in Linux laptop heaven. So I'll be talking about a lot of those here and on YouTube as the weeks go by here, the summer weeks. Definitely one of the highlights of that laptop collection right now is the Lenovo ThinkPad P53 that is preloaded with Fedora 32. I will have some thoughts on that in the very near future. So please keep an eye on Forbes and on the Linux for Everyone YouTube channel. Guys, I do not intentionally talk about System76 in every single episode of Linux for everyone. I, it, might, it might appear that way sometimes, but it's not my, uh, I don't do this on purpose. I, I've, sometimes I get people accusing me of, uh, of being sponsored by System76, but that's really not the case. It's, uh, it's just the fact that they, they have a very calculated way of staying in the news cycle and how to get people excited about what they are doing as not just a hardware company and not just a um, a Linux distribution developer, but as an open-source company. And that's what I want to talk about today is the open-source side of System76. Because they're doing something awesome. Uh, their principal engineer, Jeremy Saller, recently tweeted the following. I have seen the light of the great Lisa Sue," he said. Today begins my journey to Port Coreboot to Matisse and Renoir. See you on the other side. We know Matisse and Renoir as AMD Ryzen 3000 and Ryzen 4000. So, in a word, this is awesome. But a lot of you um, may not know about Coreboot and why it's so awesome and why it's great that it's coming to these uh, these newer Ryzen processors. Coreboot is an open source project that its whole goal is to strip out all of that proprietary firmware that ships with a computer and replace it with a lightweight firmware that really just has the bare minimum amount of code to to, to support an operating system. So you think about the BIOS screen that you have to load up from time to time. And if you do a lot of distro hopping, you're probably very familiar with this. Uh, you might have to go into your bio screen, for example, to boot up a USB stick. Now, the uh, the Lenovo ThinkPad P53 that I have now, it's got dozens of, I mean, comprehensive options in that bio screen. That also means proprietary blobs, um, proprietary code that that kind of takes away the control that you have over your computer. And a lot of open source enthusiasts would probably prefer to do without as much of that stuff as possible, right? Um, But Coreboot, it it isn't all about just embracing that open source philosophy. It's also about speed because less code, leaner code, uh, it means less delays. And that translates to, for example, neutralizing the Intel management engine. It also translates to resuming from sleep almost instantly and booting up a lot, a lot faster. The advantage of Coreboot Actually, uh, became very clear to me when I was comparing the System 76 Lemur Pro against the uh, Tuxedo Infinity Book S14. Even though those systems are, you know, they're they're the same chassis, they're identical hardware. The Lemur Pro, having Core Boot and System 76 uh, EC, which is the embedded controller, that laptop it it boots up so fast, and it resumes from sleep when you when you open that lid. I mean, nearly instantly. Uh, it, but, but Core Boot is also about user control, right? It's it's open source. It can be audited, edited. It gives you, like I said, more ownership over your PC. Now, right now, uh, there is no variant of Core Boot for AMD Ryzen 3000 and 4000. And that is what makes Jeremy's uh, upcoming work that he's trying to accomplish so vital, I think, and of course, this is also from the business sense. It's 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 all good for System76. Uh, he told me in a um, in a short conversation that System76 will be the only ones in the universe offering these processors with open source firmware. If it works out, uh, now the, these guys they offer multiple systems with Ryzen chips already. But the effort to port Corboot to Renoir, which is AMD Ryzen four thousand, that's what really gets me excited because uh, maybe okay, th- th- they don't have anything to officially announce yet, but maybe this foreshadows like an Oryx Pro or a Lemur Pro with Ryzen four thousand CPUs, right? We can we can cross our fingers. Maybe that's maybe that's in the cards. And maybe they uh, will wait until they successfully port Coreboot over to that chipset. Maybe not. Maybe it won't happen at all. But on that note, I, I do have to say I am surprised that both Slimbook and Tuxedo Computers beat System76 to the punch when it comes to offering laptops with Ryzen 4000 because that just happened last week. KDE and Slimbook uh, teamed up to offer the the KDE Slimbook third-generation laptop, which ships with KDE Neon and has a very, very badass AMD Ryzen 7 8-core 16-thread processor in there. And uh, Tuxedo also has their Pulse 15, which is very, very similar. So come on, System76, give us us something besides Intel in your laptops. All right. So that's the core boot story. Uh, I'm going to keep an eye on that. And hopefully, hopefully, we get that sweet open source firmware on existing System76 uh, Ryzen based PCs. And, you know, maybe, maybe we'll get some Ryzen uh, 4000 laptops from them in the near future as well. One more thing I wanted to talk about, but before that, uh, I wanted to remind all of you that there are a number of ways to connect with not just me, but the entire extended, awesome, helpful, friendly Linux for Everyone community. I would say the primary one is going to be Telegram. Uh, we've got almost a thousand people in the group, and it's always fascinating conversation. Not always about Linux. Sometimes it's about coffee or music or um, people asking help for Windows. Yes, that happens. And uh, what's neat is that everybody's pretty cool to those people on Windows who are asking for help. Uh, And I think that's a great reflection of this community. Join up in the Telegram group. We'd love to see you there. Link will be in the show notes for this episode. And of course, you can follow Linux for Everyone uh, on Twitter at Linux, the number four, everyone. And there's also a Mastodon account for Linux for Everyone as well. So uh, again, lots of links, social stuff, uh, group chat stuff in the show notes for this episode, which is number 37, finally. Uh, You can also become a patron, I'll be honest. Um, I have to give a lot of respect and a lot of appreciation to the nearly 100 patrons who did not yank their support for the last four weeks, even though there's only been maybe two videos and zero podcasts and zero patron chats because it's just been a a tough, you know, fairly tough road to recovery. So thank you, patrons. Thank you, super fans, for uh, helping keep this ship afloat and for supporting what I'm doing, even when I'm not always doing it. <laughs> but... Uh, for the rest of you, if you do want to support the show or the YouTube or library channels, uh, you can do that at patreon.com slash linux for everyone. And there's a couple different tiers that you can uh, you can check out over there. So you know what? I really miss elementary OS. It does take quite a bit. It, it takes an effort to pull me away. It, it takes something pretty amazing to pull me away from Pop! OS these days. And um, when I had done some tinkering with an old, uh, it was a 2013, 2012 or 2013 um, MacBook Pro, I'd done some tinkering with that and decided elementary seems like, you know, the greatest fit for this hardware. Uh, And no, not because it looks like (laughs) macOS, <laughs> it just felt right to me. I, I I don't know, the aesthetics, the the workflow, the the user interface. I just uh, I don't know, it just seemed to go hand in hand with a Mac, and I think a lot of people feel that way. That's not really the point of the story. I had tried it on that Mac and I, I started remembering how attractive it was and just how clean the design was and how the icons were just, everything just seems fresh and elegant and modern. And yeah, I I do think that it looks better than Pop! OS. It looks better than the majority of Linux distributions that are out there. Now, I will say a lot of positive things about System76. I'll say a lot of positive things about their hardware. Uh, I will praise them for Pop! OS and the the things that they do for developers and for uh, early adopters of new hardware, for example. But I wanted to switch back. I wanted to switch to Elementary OS after after seeing it again. The only reason I didn't was because, and this was ah uh, maybe four months ago. It was just uh, it was just before Ubuntu twenty o four came out, and I thought, okay, if I can run Lightworks Pro on Elementary OS, I'm switching. I'll have a new a new home, a new Linux distro home, and uh, it didn't. <laughs> that's Lightworks Pro is what I use for uh, my video editing and I'm quite married to it at this point and I know that you're going to say have you tried DaVinci Resolve have you tried Caden Live have you tried Olive have you tried Blender uh, I've tried most of those things and I just love the workflow for Lightworks and I don't mind paying for it and so that's that's the software that I use and from time to time I will check in on the other apps and see how they're progressing though but yeah it didn't run it did not run on elementary OS. However, I'm about 99% certain that when elementary 6.0 gets released, and they update to the uh, the Ubuntu 20.04 base, that Lightworks is going to function perfectly. So yeah, I'm, I'm kind of waiting with bated breath to, uh, to see elementary 6 and get Lightworks installed and see all the improvements. I know that... Um, Cassidy and and all those guys have been tweeting and writing and working nonstop on all the little the 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 minor and major uh, iterations and improvements that are coming to Elementary Six and um, you know App Center for everyone gets me excited and I just like I like what those guys are doing for the Linux ecosystem I like what Pop! OS is doing too but um, I don't know Elementary just has this edge and. It's uh it's interesting because you know I still support Elementary. Um, I'm a patron of Elementary OS, even though I don't use it. I just I just love what they're doing, and I want them to succeed. I want App Center for everyone to uh, to really take over and give indie developers uh, an opportunity to make some money and, and make some inroads and um and you know make more of an impact. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So uh, I know you guys have been kind of interested in where my my Linux journey takes me in terms of uh, what distro I'm on. Aside from some, uh, you know, some experiments with Peppermint OS and Salient OS, and uh, more recently, you know, Ubuntu Cinnamon and Ubuntu DDE, and a lot of that is just for coverage and for curiosity. But aside from those diversions, it's been it's been mainly Pop OS with a very, very passionate detour to uh, to elementary os so I'm gonna keep you guys posted as uh, as that story continues to unfold this year anyway I think I'm gonna wrap up this episode uh, I'm I'm getting <laughs> it really sucks it's um, I'm, I'm trying to be positive about it but man I can't I can't get through a 40 45 minute podcast episode without feeling uh, completely winded and out of breath and tired and I'm just sitting here talking but like I said I'm gonna do my best to uh, to stay in your ears now and uh, and not have any more you know five or six week absences and I'm also working to get back with Shickle and record a new episode of Linux and Coffee and um, a lot of stuff in the works and I just I thank you guys so much for being here on the journey with me and uh, hey, until we speak again, do me a favor. take care and especially take care of each other I'll talk to you guys soon. Bye.